Hey everybody, welcome to the Canadian Job Search Podcast. My name is John Rubero and I will be your host. I'll be interviewing recruiters, hiring managers, and experts to help you land your next job sooner. Just a quick reminder to download your high converting resume template that's been proven to get you more job interviews at resumetemplate.canadianjobsearchacademy.com. And if this episode resonates with you, then remember to subscribe, comment, and share. Thank you and welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. My name is John Ribeiro, and our special guest today is John Carlo Barros. He's the co-manager. He's the co-managing partner of Forge Recruitment, a boutique recruitment agency servicing the legal and accounting and finance sectors in Toronto and Vancouver. Giancarlo, Giancarlo has worked in recruitment for approximately 10 years and in that time has come to see and learn a lot about the industry. I'm going to include some of Giancarlo's links below in the show notes, but Giancarlo, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, John. I really appreciate it. No, I'm, I'm really happy to have you here. I know just our conversations have been really rich in terms of what we've been talking about. I know the one thing I didn't mention in your bio is that you recruit in the legal and finance space, which is fantastic. It's not a topic that we talk about a lot, but I know the listeners that actually come into the show and listen to the show are always asking questions. So I'm glad you're going to be here to answer some of those questions. Glad to, glad to be here. Thank you. So let, let's jump right into it. First of all, what's different? What is different around today's hiring market? I know since the start of the pandemic, I know we keep talking pandemic. I feel like we're almost at the end, almost, you know, as soon as everybody gets their second shots and everybody's fully vaccinated, things will be, I'm not going to say normal, but it'll be different for sure. Uh, but from a recruiting perspective, what has changed? What's different from what you've seen in the sector that you work in? I, th I think first off, even pre-pandemic, one of the things we, we noticed or we were seeing is that the job market itself was becoming extremely competitive. So you had a lot of people looking to enter different industries, different sectors, and you also had companies, a lot of companies competing in the same spaces, all fighting for market share. And so what that ultimately ends up doing is requiring companies are required to hire experienced people. So I, you always see on, on social media, everyone posts, you know, I'm looking for a junior level person with 15 years of experience. <laughs> and that's always the joke. But in, in reality, it kind of was that way. Um, and just because companies needed people to come in and hit the ground running, the pandemic only accelerated that. So mm -hmm. what we're seeing coming out of the pandemic is business activity in a lot of industries, or at least the industries we work in, spiking to really, really high levels. The firms we work with, this is the busiest they've ever been in the last six years. Um, and so what that means is they're looking for people now who can come in, hit the ground running and manage very, very busy workloads right off the bat. So it's kind mm -hmm. of pushed the years of experience even higher. When you layer on top of that, that we, they also need people now who can onboard remotely and get started remotely, it helps when you're more experienced because the training and development that goes into the person can be a lot less. And so I think it's only made it a lot harder, a lot more competitive. Um, and so that's kind of how the, the job markets change um, in the last, I would say, 12 to, to, to 18 months. Nice. So, so this is good. So it's, so it's more competitive. It's harder. So it's harder for employers. So I just want to make sure I hear this correctly. So it's harder for employers to find the right talent, or is it harder for talent to find the right employers? I think it's a, it's a bit of both. So <laughs> okay. employers looking to find the right talent, their requirements have become more specific mm -hmm. um, in certain areas. 
And then the individuals, the, the candidates, if you don't have the, if you don't tick a lot of the boxes companies have, it becomes more challenging because I think there's going to be less time to train. Now, the flip side is, I think we're reaching a point where it's getting so bad in terms of a shortage of candidates in the space that you'll start to see companies really, really flex on requirements. Mm. And, and I think I gave you the analogy uh, or the example earlier where we're seeing some companies that would normally hire people with five years come down to one year, seven months of experience. Mm. Um, that is very market specific, but I think if, if the pendulum swings so far the other way and companies become so desperate, it might create opportunities for candidates. But to answer your question in brief, it's it's tough. It's become more competitive for both. Um, so harder for candidates and then harder for client or companies. Nice. So from what you've seen, right? So when candidates are going through the process, let's cover two areas. One area, what are they doing really well? What's helping them succeed to land those jobs? And what are they not doing well? Where's the area where they're hurting and they're suffering that's not getting them through to the interview? So if, if you are going through an interview process, I think the people who do the, the best are the ones who, aside from having the relevant experience, do a really, really good job of conveying that experience or conveying that they're competent enough to, to do mm -hmm. the job. Um, and then there's also a, a willingness that I want to work for this company specifically. Um, so the candidates who have the experience in certain markets are going to have multiple options, right? If you have the five plus years of experience in a certain trade or industry, you're going to have options. And so with that, companies don't just want to take anybody, right? They want, why do you like me specifically kind of thing? And so the candidates who convey, you know, this company offers me career progression, support, development. That's what I like. That's why I'm interested in your specific opportunity. Um, those companies do really, really well, or those candidates do really, really well through the interview process. Um, the, the ones who, who struggle, I guess, are the ones who are, can't convey that. I mean, you'd be surprised how many times we speak to candidates um, and it's, you know, tell me a bit about your experience and it's, they just give their job title, right? They don't mm. really outline their, their duties. And so from that, that gives uh, an impression that they're just not interested in the role. They're not interested in changing. They couldn't be bothered. There's a bit of a laziness there. Um, and so that's, um, that's kind of what, what makes people struggle. Um, I, I actually have, I have a really good example. I had a candidate interview with a, a firm the other day and uh, the lawyer really liked the individual and asked the candidate, you know, when can you start? And the candidate stood up out of his seat right away and said, I can go right now. And that willingness and commitment sealed the deal for the individual. Oh, wow. So that passion um, really, really helps. And I think sometimes candidates don't really show that, you know, it's, they, they look like they don't really want to be there. And I think mm -hmm. you need to be able to give a bit of that, that commitment and, and, and impression. So yeah. not sure if that makes sense, but that's kind of what it really yeah. helps. Totally makes sense. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm really happy that you, you spoke to this, right? Like number one, preparations, big, making sure that you go in answering the basic question, right? The basic, the one question everybody's going to be asked in an interview is tell me about yourself. Right. And mm -hmm. if you don't prepare that, and if you don't have um, almost like your little elevator pitch, your one minute, tell me about yourself. If you can't get that across within the first minute, you're really going to hurt your chances against candidates 
who have done their work and have done the pre-work and prepared, right? Mm-hmm. But also, and, you know, that, you know, the example that you use where the candidate stood up and said, yeah, man, I'm right here. I want to start right now. <laughs> I think it's funny. So you got to be careful how much I, I think it's great to bring the passion. But, you know, you got to you got to read your audience. Right. You got to know. You know and and yes. I think actually this is a big one. So I'm going to turn this over to you. But understanding your audience. So, so kind of share that or share some of your insights in terms of what candidates can do to prepare themselves to know their audience better. Yeah, I, I think going the preparation part is key. Um, so, I mean, we live in a really interesting time where a lot of people have content out, social media videos out. And mm-hmm. I think if you can, if you're preparing for an interview, now it's not only kind of finding as much as you can about about the, the, the company and, and what they do, but it's also, you know, what's, do they have any YouTube videos out? Are there any other videos that can 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 share things about them? What are the articles written? Understanding what's important to them, where their values lie. And even it's interesting when we prepare to uh, speak with clients as a recruitment agency, we do our homework on our clients, you know, what's mm-hmm. important to them, how are they going to approach things, wh- wh- where are their values, and then that better uh, helps us kind of match with them. So it's all about matching your tones, matching your energy levels. And, and yeah, you, you need to read the room. But the homework you do in advance uh, mm-hmm. is really, really important. I think one of the big things is the traditional way of job searching was, you know, go on a job board, apply, get the interview, go to the company's website, read it up a bit, show up and then hope for the best kind of thing. Yeah. And again, going back to my point of it's becoming so competitive and the world is changing. It's you need to change your job search approach. So now it's not just job boards and we'll get into that later. But it's also when you're preparing for the interviews, it's what additional information can I find on the company or the people I'm meeting with? And a lot of times they have Twitter, they have Instagram, they have the company has this stuff because um, they're pushing things out throughout their social media channels. And it's really important that, that you, you absorb that and, and use that in your preparation. Yeah, no. And, and that's fair. You know, one of the things that we're always talking about, and I've done it on several of these interviews, but and also some of the workshops that I've done. It's really around getting to know the person, right? So like you said, it's, it's not enough just to know the organization anymore. It's who is that person that's working for that organization. And the beauty is there's enough social content out there. You know, it, not everybody's overly active on social and that's okay, but there's enough out there that you should be able to go into somebody's profile, take two or three snippets and use that and leverage it for rapport with that person mm-hmm. when you get into the room with them, right? Because if you're not doing that, you're walking, it's, it's kind of like going on a blind date without understanding what your date looks like and who they are and what kind of background they have. You're just showing up in a room and saying, hey, I'm looking for this person. Can somebody help me, right? Um, it, like you said, it's competitive, right? It's tough. You got to do that work, right? It's And on the flip side too, we coach our clients, so the ones doing the hiring, that they need to stand out as well. So mm-hmm. again, going back to the competitive thing, it's the companies need to do their homework on, on the individual and they need to do a really good job of selling them. They need to build r- rapport and sell themselves to the individual as well. Uh, it, they're selling on both sides. It used to be, and, and some I think companies still think this is, if I'm hiring for a job and you show up, you should be happy that I even considered. <laughs> and it's, does, it's not like that anymore. It's yeah. each party needs to sell to the other side and to make yeah. that match happen. And, and, 
it's again like a, a dating, a first date. Um, and so it's really important that both parties realize that and 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 pick up on that and prepare for that, or else they're going to lose out on companies are going to lose out on talent, and talent's going to lose out on opportunities. Yeah, and, and that's good. So there's two questions that have kind of popped into my head. So I'm going to ask the first one, and you kind of touched on this. So within you know Forge recruiting, you guys do some preparation, but from a candidate's perspective, how much should they be relying on the recruiter to prepare them for the interview? So we, we take our, our interview preps really, really serious. A lot of people who go through our process, they'll, they'll, before every interview, at least before the first interview, they'll get about 30-minute interview preparation. Mm-hmm. We provide a lot of video content, written content, and then individual coaching as well. Um, each agency is different, though. Um, so I, it's hard for me to speak to how much the, the other recruiters um, mm-hmm. coach them. For us, it's a really important part of the process. Um, because we know people get nervous. We know knee-jerk reactions can come up when people get excited at things. And so it's really, really um, helpful that, that we get that. I think too, and we building rapport, we'll go to some, some interviews you'll see where they'll spend 30 minutes just talking about a vacation, like building rapport. And, and both parties are like, awesome. I think this person really likes me. Yeah, they might like you, but did you tell them any of your skills? Do they know what you can do? Can you do the job? Do you even know what the job is? Like were any of the meat and potato stuff discussed or did you guys just spend time talking about, about Mexico? Because you need, you need to, there's a fine line between too much rapport building and not enough. Um, and so we, we prep our candidates on that to really cut through, build the rapport and then cut through that and, and really showcase your skills. Um, So how much preparation a recruiter should do? I don't know. We do at least 30 minutes ahead of of interviews with our people. Yeah, no, and that's amazing. And and the reason I brought that question up, I just wanted to get clarity from a recruitment perspective. You know, there are agencies out there that don't do anything, right? Like the the expectation is, um, you know, you show up, you got to do all the pre-work, you got to do the preparation. So it's great to hear that you guys do some of that preparation for them. Uh, or to help them along the process, because I'm sure you're also going through that filtering process, because there's a lot, you know, there's got to be several hundred applicants for every position, right? From what I'm hearing, mm-hmm. um, actually, one of my guests yesterday, he said there's, it's between 250 to 1000 applicants for every posting that they're putting out there, right? So how do you filter that out? So it's great that you actually get to the point where it's like, hey, I finally got the right candidate. Let's just do quick prep before you walk in the room so we know that you're prepared to improve your odds. The other question I wanted, sorry, go ahead. So I was going to say, actually, for us too, our preps are so important that if if um, if people uh, don't take our prep serious, um, and this may sound harsh, but we just won't, we won't, we won't push through the process because mm. preparing preparing for the interview, it's your, it's taking up people's time. It's your time, our time, their time. And so you need to take it serious. Um, you can't just show up. And we, again, we've heard some horror stories. We always hear some horror stories. Um, and it's again, going back to, it's too competitive. You can't jeopardize it the, the yeah. moment. So if you're not serious about it, you might as well just kind of uh, <laughs> skip it. No, I, and that's great. I'm, I'm really happy you brought that up. Just, you know, for the listeners that are out there, I want you to make sure that you pay attention to this, right? You got to make sure that you do the preparation, that you walk in ready. It's, it's not about figuring out things on the spot. 
Um, it doesn't work that way, especially in today's market. It's competitive. Yes, it's, it's an employee market. There's lots of opportunities for top talent, but not everybody's top talent. So how you get to be top talent is by doing your research and really understanding the organization and the person you're connecting with to be able to, to, to build rapport. And it's great that you talked about, you know, and actually it's funny because years ago I did an interview for an organization and I talked about rugby the whole time. Right. <laughs> but this was somebody that I went to high school with. And oh. what I realized after the fact was, um, you know, he knew my value system because we went to the same high school, we had the same teacher. So he knew how I grew up. He knew how it was taught and he knew the system that I had gone through. We did talk about the meat and potatoes for five seconds, which was like the, if you pass this technical test, you can, you can work here. <laughs> but, you know, like you said, there's, there's gotta be that fine line between making sure that you build rapport, but also where you're selling yourself, right. Where you're talking about your skills and, and what you're able to do for that organization. So the other question that kind of popped into my head is you talked about job boards as being one of the places where people can find these opportunities, but where else can they go to find these opportunities? So I'm, uh, so to me, the best way to find jobs is by networking um, and socially networking. I think LinkedIn, um, Twitter, social media makes it very, very easy Um my, I use this example for this. So my sister, so new grads always find it very, very challenging mm -hmm. to find new positions. When my sister graduated, she graduated with a, a master's in, in chemistry or something like that and was looking for a job. And she, I kind of, the, I coached her on, you know, look on, on job boards and apply to things that, that, that catch your eye. But in addition to that, it's really, really important that you you make an action plan. And that action plan should consist of finding the companies and the industries that you want to work in, targeting the top people or the hiring people, the supervisors, the managers, the owners in those, in those industries. Connect with them on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is important because it's better than a cold email or a cold call because when you send me a cold email, I can't envision you, right? So if I hit... If I hit delete or if I don't get back to it, I'm not going to feel bad. But on LinkedIn, I see your bio. I see your face. In my brain, I've make, made a, a psychological connection. There's a subconscious there that kicks in. And if I don't respond to John, I'm going to feel bad. And so it's going to prompt me to respond to you. And so I always think using things like LinkedIn that have your photo and a bit about you will increase people's response rates. So I told her to basically make a list, target these people, and the way you want to approach it is not necessarily I'm looking for a job. It's, you know, I'm really impressed about your experience. I'm looking to break into the industry. Do you have time for a 15 minute phone call to kind of give mm. me some tips and advice? And if you send out 50 of those, you know, 10 people might give you that time for those phone calls and those phone calls you might turn into something. And that's what happened to my sister. She got a phone call. It, it led her to somebody else who was hiring and she ended up getting the interview and the, and the job. And so that was outside of a job board. And I think a lot of time needs to be spent on that networking uh, within the industry. Um, so you can find those kind of hidden gems and stand out um, because not everyone wants to post, not every company wants to post on Indeed and go through 250 resumes. Sometimes they just put out a message to their, their network and say, if yeah. you know anyone, let me know. Yeah. And, and I, I really like that you touched on that. And actually you're validating what a lot of other recruiters are saying as well. Right. So it's not even today, the process of just applying online should be only 25, 30, maybe maximum 40% of your entire job application process. 
The other remaining time, you know, 60 to 50% should be networking and connecting with people. And like you said, so there's a combination of playing the numbers game, right? You, you send out 50 messages, but they got to be well-crafted messages Mm -hmm. to the organizations that you want to get and elicit those responses to do those informational sessions. Cause you're right. You know what, from those informational sessions, you might not get an opportunity because they might not have one, but they know somebody within their network. You're actually more likely to get some, get a, a job or, or get an opportunity from your network's network. So not your direct network, right? So I'm really happy that you shared that example with us because I think a lot of people that are going through this, they need to understand that they have to change their approach today. Otherwise, you're, you're, you're going to suffer. You're going to be sitting on the sidelines for a while. Right. I, I can see you want to say something. John it, you know what? It's interesting. Sorry. I talk a lot, but it's interesting. Um, people who have worked in an industry for, for a number of years, they understand, or a lot of them I find understand the em- emphasis on the networking. So it's building relationships for the mm-hmm. long term, but they kind of start to pay attention to it later on. Right. And it kind of happens organically. So the thing is, is for people looking to break into a space, it's how do you manufacture that a lot faster right from the get-go? Like understand this is going to be important and then just accelerate it when I'm when I'm breaking into the space um, on the early days. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing I just want to kind of tack on to this is it's not... Um, you, you don't just do it once, right? Like you, you build and you maintain these relationships because, you know, throughout your career, as you're going through this, and, and this is, uh, you know, more on the career development side, but uh, from a career development perspective, if you maintain those relationships, who knows a year out from now, you may be looking for something else. You, you know, you build and maintain your relationship with some of the connections that you've made. And there might be another opportunity that comes your way. Cause what I'm hearing from candidates, because the recruiting and actually from your perspective or from what you've seen and and some of the work that you've done, how long is it taking to do the whole recruitment process? So from a company's perspective or from I'm a job seeker? From both, like from an organization, from the time they post to the time they hire, what does that look like? And from a candidate's perspective, what can they anticipate? So from a company's perspective, so specific to, I would say the legal and accounting space that we work in, you're probably, and these are looking at, you know, your legal assistants or clerks or paralegals or your accounting clerks. Um, we're seeing anywhere from, from the time it's posted to the time someone's in the seat starting, you're looking at about four to six weeks. Okay. More niche areas. So again, some of the, the areas of law that are in demand, and it's very few. You might be looking three months, six months, like we've, we've seen some really yeah. longer timelines. Um, if you're a candidate, if you're a junior candidate looking to crack a market, you're probably looking kind of three to six months. I always tell people when you're looking and you have zero experience, always, if you prepare for a shorter time frame, if you say, you know, I'm going to work hard for a month and hope for the best and you don't get anything in that month, you're going to get really down on yourself and maybe give up. So if you prepare for it, hey, it's going to be a six month battle, um, then, and you get something in two months or three months, awesome, right? So I always tell people at the junior levels to prepare like three to six months. If you're more intermediate to more senior I mean, turnaround times could again be in that four four week period, right? If, okay. if you come across a job that, that you tick the box, you do, we're, in legal, we're seeing one to two interviews. Most now are doing one interviews and then offering the job. Some are doing oh, wow. two interviews and offering the job. So if that's a week and then you give your notice period, which is two to three weeks, you're basically starting your new job in, in a month. So if you're in that right 
threshold of experience, you can change really, really quickly. Yeah, no, and that's fantastic because what I've heard uh, from other recruiters is that it can take any, like you said, I think it's anywhere between um, eight to 12 weeks is what they've been seeing is more of a norm, uh, depending on the industries. But like you said, if, if you're seasoned and you have the right connections, uh, what's also what I'm hearing from you that's different from what I've heard in other industries is, you know, so some of the people that I've talked to, they've gone through seven levels of interviews. So I, it sounds like maybe that's changing because they're trying to onboard people quickly. So what, what we're, and we're, we're speaking to our clients regularly about this. Mm. We were in Vancouver last week, uh, talking to a lot of firms about this, but if, if you're a company looking for someone with experience, there's only a few of those people around. Every other company is probably looking for those people as well. So when you find that person, what we encourage our companies to do is you need to do your best sales pitch to that candidate as quickly as you can. And so if that means putting together a panel interview and selling and getting that person to meet with all the people, all the decision makers, all the personalities, and, and really impressing them right away, then it reduces your, your chances of losing them to another firm. And so specifically law firms, we're seeing them, the ones that do three interview stages, nine times out of 10 are going to lose out on, on the candidates that they want. And then the ones that do the one and they just smash it out of the park on their presentation will tend to get the candidates right away. And, and we know a number of firms that do really, really good job of that. And then others that are still struggling with trying to better do that. Yeah, it's an old school mentality. Well, we got to make sure we have the right people and all this stuff and yeah, the, the multiple the multiple interviews, like you said, you know, grab everybody you need into a room and do a one-time interview and that's it, right? I think it's uh, interesting too. The, uh, the other thing too is one might, if you're someone who's been at a company for five years, you know, having the one interview and then and then making the move is, is not enough. But what I think is important the client to do is, or the firm to do is, I meet with you, I like you. I'm going to make my intentions known that I want to offer you the job then at least you know you have a commitment there and then we can continue the conversations after that. So the same thing is like, if you're going to buy a house, you're going to put an offer, make it conditional on a home inspection or financing. And then this way, you know, I have the intent to buy it, but I, I need all these other things to check out. And it's the same thing with, with candidates. When you find a candidate you want, you need to make your ten intentions known. Yeah. And I would imagine based on the fields that you work in, you know, accounting, financing, and legal, there's got to be a lot of background checks that happen within those fields, mm -hmm. right? Like, and that could take, you know, two, three weeks, depending on the organizations that you work with. But that's, a, that, so that's, that's a fairly lengthy process. It can be uh, from what I've heard, but that's one of the things that people or candidates need to take into consideration as they're going through this, right? Yeah. Like the credit checks, the criminal checks and come back. I mean, we get them back in like 24, 48 hours, but then you have some companies that say, you know, I need an, an, an employment history verification, and it's, is this really necessary or you just mm. kind of, it's part of your process and you're stuck in your ways. And, and I think um, we're starting to see some flex on it because okay. it's becoming a bit ridiculous. <laughs> Employee. Yeah. So the other thing is, and actually while we're on this topic, I, you know, as we, we start to, to, to wrap up um, references, is that something, you know, it kind of sounds like that might be changing as well in terms of, you know, organizations searching and looking for those things. Yeah. I, I mean, we still see companies, uh, we take references on all the, on all the candidates that we, 
assist secure positions. Mm-hmm. I would say our our clients they still take their some will take their own references on top of that. They still do want the references. Back in the day, you used to see everyone wanted three. Now people are kind of happy with one or two, mm-hmm. really, um, as long as it's a good one. It's interesting. We hire um, when we hire internally. I'm not so particular on like we take our references on the people we hire, but I, they're not deal breakers for me because I think a reference is also so it can be a bit subjective. It can yeah. be, it can be um, tampered with, or, or you know what I mean? It, it, it's not necessarily, it, it's just what somebody else has said. So um, they're still important, but not as firms aren't as dead set. We're also seeing a lot of firms make offers contingent on references. So mm. here's the offer. Hopefully we'll get something good. Um, but again, that's just trying to expedite the process. Yeah, no, and that's good. Cause actually it's not a topic that I touch on a lot. Um, I know one of the things I, I tell people to do or kind of consult them on is to get those references in advance, right? Cause you're going to mm-hmm. need them anyways. So don't wait up until the point where it's like, Oh, I'm at the point where I got an offer. Now I got to go get references. I got to go beg people. I got to think about all the good people that I've worked with in the past and say, Hey, can you give me a reference? So do that work up front, right? The same with your research, do it up front. So nothing is a surprise. Um, Just as we wrap up, any final thoughts around, you know, if there's one piece of advice to help a candidate become successful, what would that be? Um, I think it's really important that they, they, they're flexible. So um, flexible and they're good and they do their research. So I think you need to understand the industry and and the sector you want to work in. And then you want to basically plan out an action plan of, you know, this is where I want my career to go. How am I going to get there? What is my market like? So what what's what roles are in demand in the market I want to work in? What are the career trajectories like? Is that good? Is that what I want? Um, and then how do I get there? What do I build? Because sometimes we see people, they come out of school and they go, they're dead set on doing this. Um, but getting there, it takes a lot of time and, and the path isn't always very straightforward. And so they need mm-hmm. to be flexible on it. Um, and then we see people who want to do something, but then they end up, they're taking jobs that take them very, very far away from that. And so it's understanding, um, like, where, where, where do you start? How, where do you want to go? Um, how much time it's going to take and the position you're going to take. I always say this thing, think two steps in advance. So when you take mm-hmm. a, uh, take a job, don't necessarily think of gone are the days where I'm going to take a job and be there for 25 years. That doesn't happen anymore. But it's, I'm going to take a job and how does this set me up for the next job I'm, I want to get? So if I go here for five years, am I going to get the skills that I need to then take me to the next place I want to get? Um, and so I think thinking strategically like that is really, really important. Action planning is really, really important. And, um, and being flexible is important. Yeah. No, and those are great points because I think it's important as, as you know, like you said, I, I'm going on the assumption that you talk to a lot of uh, junior type people that are really at the start of their careers and, and really trying to figure out what to do and uh, really think long term, right? Think about the long game. Don't think about just this year, you know, in the next couple of months. Think about what it might look like in the next three years to five years. There's always that question, right? You know, what are you going to do in three to five years? Like, who knows, man? Like, there might be another pandemic, right? And things get totally, I'm sure, you know, people that were going into the job market back in 2019 are saying, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. And then 2020 came, right? Kind of threw everybody off track. But I think it's a really great suggestion to just say, you know, 
think two steps ahead, like you said, right? You know, is this going to get me to the next level? And really think about what that next level, think about progression and growth as you go through your career. So it's a great tip and be flexible in your approach, right? Um, You know, when you're flexible, that's when you're able to shift and and, and kind of be fluid with what's happening in the market, especially, you know, going into 2021, 2022, that flexibility is really going to help you. So Giancarlo, if people wanted to get a hold of you and just to learn a little bit more about Forge Recruitment or learn a little bit more about you specifically, where could they go? Uh, so they can visit our website, www.forgerecruitment.com, um, or they can um, connect with me on LinkedIn. So it's John Carlo Barros. Um, and then they can kind of see all the stuff that we, we're constantly putting out uh, weekly support videos uh, and quarterly reports, annual reports, things like that. So there, there's a lot of content and information they can find um, from, from there. Yeah. And I know I, I, you know, I've had the opportunity of sharing some of the postings that you guys have posted on LinkedIn as well. So you guys are also posting positions on there as well, uh, which is great. So I'm, I'm going to make sure that I include your links in the show notes and uh, so people can get a hold of you for those that work in the legal accounting and finance field, which is fantastic. Uh, so thank you again for your time today. Thank you for sharing your insights in terms of, you know, what's different, what's happening and what people really need to do to be successful. And I'm really happy that we had this con- this very candid conversation because it's let's take all the fluff out of the way and let's do the work so you can be successful. So thank you again for, for your time, Giancarlo. You're welcome. And thank you so much for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. All right. So that is this. That is it for this episode of the podcast. Wishing everyone a great one. Talk to you all soon. Take care.